keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. The Feast of St. Leopold III. He was born in Melk, Austria in the year 1073. He, at the age of 23, St. Leopold succeeded his father as Margrave of Austria in 1096. In 1106, St. Leopold married St. Um, or not St., but Agnes, the daughter of Emperor Henry IV, and they were blessed with 18 children, only 11 of which die, uh, survived childhood. The other seven, unfortunately, passed away during their childhood. St. Leopold ruled the Austria states wisely for 40 years, maintaining peace amid civil wars in Germany, and he exemplified virtues and displayed great courage and valor. In fact, so much so that he, during a particular battle against the Hungarian attacks, earned him the name Leopold the Brave. Now, Otto, St. Leopold's fifth son, entered the Cistercian Order and was inspired by the virtues of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. In joy of the fact that his son was entering the Cistercian Order, St. Leopold ordered the construction of the Abbey of Hellingenkrisch, or I think it's um, the, the Abbey of the Holy Cross, so we'll do English here, and gave it to the Order of the Cistercians. After a life of celebrated for sanctity and wisdom, he died November 15th, 1136, in one of the three monasteries that he founded. He was later canonized by Innocent VIII in 1486, nearly 400 years later. Now, it is important to think about the fact that nobody knows who Leopold III is in our modern times. In fact, there is a great tendency to sentimental piety to downplay and hide saints who practice virtues such as courage and wisdom on the battlefield and in the political sphere. He emphasizes the, the temporal sphere of being a saint in the temporal sphere, not simply in acts of charity or in the church, but in every aspect of society. It's also interesting to think about the fact that he married the Duchess Agnes, the daughter of Emperor Henry IV. And for any student of history, they would know that Henry IV was a wicked, wicked man. In fact, he was so wicked and such a despicable person. And his hatred for the church was so much so that at one point, he actually was required to go and humiliate himself before Pope St. Gregory VII. And he spent three days and three nights in the snow awaiting the pardon of the Pope. And finally, the Pope forgave him. That's how bad he was. But it also shows the misconception we have of the kings of that time, that the authority of the church was greater than the authority of the temporal sphere, that the Pope had so much power over the Catholic faithful that an emperor would not dare to go against the Pope lest they get rebuke from their own people and particularly the power of the Pope to not allow for sacraments in their kingdom. 
Now, even though Henry the Fourth was a wicked man, his daughter Agnes was a good and worthy spouse. This is something that is very different from what we see today because society was still Catholic. So even if you had a bad person in your family, it was less likely that they would influence you to be your entire family to be bad as well. Unlike what we see today. Now, I would last thing we'll note here is a recognition and a veneration for forgotten saints like St. Leopold the Brave. We can envision churches in the future being named after someone like Leopold the Brave and saints like him, showing the Catholics that we should have virtue in every aspect of our lives, from acts of charity to acts in the temporal sphere to the political sphere and everything in between. So what do we ask for from St. Leopold the Brave on this, his feast day? Well, let's say to St. Leopold, we'll say, St. Leopold the Brave, give us your valor to face our enemies. St. Leopold the Third, pray for, for us. us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. I love the name Leopold. I think that's a great name. Also, just because I'm a big fan of Leopold from, uh, from the Friar. EWTN Kids Show. <laughs> it's pretty good. I actually recommend it if you have kids, uh, toddlers especially, because it's a, a great way to introduce them to the parables. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit of EWTN content. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. We are coming very close to our uh, winter Christmas share Speaking of EWTN, if you like the EWTN content, if you like Catholic Drive Time, please let me plant the seed. Consider making a donation for our Christmas share coming up in just a few weeks. There you go. So praise be to God. I definitely keep that in mind. And also, um, side note, Rudy, um, I have a, a gift for you. Really? Uh, wrapped up. Wow. It's all nicely, nicely wrapped. What and, kind of wrapping paper did you use? Um, corn husks. Corn husks? Corn husks. Oh, well, My in favorite that case. Of wrapping paper. <laughs> oh, yes. Somebody's practicing. My um, my mom and my grandma over the weekend made some tamales. Wow! And my my mom was like, "Here, give these to the, the to the Carlos family." And I was like, "I don't know, mom. I don't know if they're gonna make it to them." <laughs> <laughs> because um, over the weekend, they just my mom and my grandma just decided they Incredible. were gonna make make tamales for some reason. Well, if you want to see my live reaction, join our Telegram group. Uh, go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Sign up for our mailing list, and you'll get a link to see that uh, that video, that reaction on our Telegram chat. There you go, folks. There you go. <laughs> All right. At 15 past the hour, there is an update on the Bishop Strickland story. We're going to update you. Edwin Benson will be joining us to discuss the modern education system. So we'll talk about that coming up at 30 past the hour. Plus, Adam Bly with the Spirit World will be joining us in the next hour. So you want to stick with us. But let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions, whatever it is that you have going on today. We're praying for that, for your deceased loved ones, your friends, your family, your benefactors, your friends. We pray for all of them. For the salvation of souls, for the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, and for my grandfather. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. O Lord, who art ever merciful and bounteous with thy gifts, look down upon the suffering souls in purgatory. Remember not their offenses and negligences, but be mindful of thy loving mercy, which is from all eternity. Cleanse them of their sins and fulfill their ardent desires, that they may be made worthy to behold thee face to face in thy glory. 
may they soon be united with thee and hear those blessed words which will call them to their heavenly home. Come, blessed of my Father, take possession of the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Eternal Father, I offer thee the most precious blood of thy divine Son, Jesus, and union with the masses said throughout the world today for all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, and those in my own home and within my family. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are just some of your breaking news and headlines today. The Supreme Court adopts a code of ethics after pressure from Democrats and activists. The nine justices unanimously signed onto a code of conduct that will gather in one place the ethics, rules, and principles that guide their conduct. The court had been a subject of a pressure campaign by left-wing activist groups who targeted conservative justices for their relationships with wealthy individuals. The code outlines standards for justices to adhere to when making recusal decisions, engaging in extrajudicial activities like speaking events, and conducting financial activities, and as well as accepting gifts and reporting reimbursements, among other activities. Now, maybe they can get one going for uh, those uh, certain government officials who know just when to invest or dump their stocks. Continuing, the House votes to refer Mayorkas impeachment to committee. Eight Republicans voted alongside Democrats to move the effort to the Homeland Security Committee. Mayorkas' tenure has witnessed a marked uptick in illegal border crossings, and Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia brought the measure last week, accusing him of neglecting his duties. She says, quote, In his willful admittance of border crossers, terrorists, human traffickers, drugs, and other contraband, as Secretary of the Department of the Homeland Secretary, that's, as, yeah, that's a little redundant, Alejandro Mayorkas has violated his oath to uphold his constitutional duty by allowing the invasion of approximately 10 million illegals across our borders, unquote. And here's a really good news story. This is from Catholic News Agency. Thieves repent, sacramentally confess, and return stolen objects to a chapel in Spain. Praise be to God. We asked for the gift of conversion for those who had committed that sacrilege, and today I'm going to give you some good news. The prayers have been heard, and those who perpetrated the sacrilegious theft have repented and confessed, said Bishop Munilla. The chapel in Quiron Hospital in Torre Vieja, known as the Providence of Alicante, was desecrated in the early hours of Sunday, November 5th, according to the chaplain, Father Javier Vizens. The thieves took the tabernacle with the Eucharist inside, an altar cross, a chalice, a chasuble, a corporal, and a liturgical book. The diocese said in a statement that the profanation of the Holy Eucharist is a grave act and asked that parishes and religious communities, as well as the faithful in general, make acts of reparation for the sacrilege that occurred. Now the Lord has touched their hearts, and we can only say, Glory to God, emphasizing that the true solution is repentance, and it's returning to the will of God. This, according to Bishop Munia. And those are some of your headlines today, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. The Gospel of the Day comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 7 through 10. Verses 7 says, But which of you, having a servant plowing, or feeding cattle will say to him, when he has come from the field, immediately go sit down to meet. Now, Cornelius Lapide commenting on this says that some of the heretics will say that by servant here, they're referring to a slave. 
And Cornelius Lapide says, no, this is incorrect because a servant is not someone who is enslaved, but is someone who was hired, someone who is working upon an agreement and something that is ordered by their master, but their master is paying them. It's someone that is, they have a contract of sorts. This is important to keep in mind because verse eight, when it says, and will not rather say to him, make ready my supper and gird thyself and serve me while I eat and drink. And afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. Now, why, what is he saying here? Cornelius Lapide commenting on this. He says that here it's clear that we are servants. And since we are servants of the master, the master being our Lord, being God, if we are servants, we are not owed thanks. We are not owed some nice things. In fact, we have an obligation because we have an agreement. We will do the commandments of God. We will love God and we will receive eternal beatitude. And so for someone to say, oh, why don't I have X? Why does God not provide me with Y? This is, of course, an error. Because we are not owed those things. If God desires to give it to us, it is simply out of mercy, not out of obligation. Cornelius Lapide says, and will not rather say unto him, that is, I suppose, because he does not owe thanks to his servants. For it is incumbent upon such as one to do his master's will. So there is laid upon us the necessity of doing all things that God has commanded us. And by fresh diligence of always increasing our former service. In fact, he quotes St. Ambrose as having said, as we not only do not say to our servants, take thy repose, but require of him a further service and give him no thanks. So neither does the Lord permit in us one only work for all while living ought to work always. Now, this is very important to keep in mind as we go about because what is the work in which God has commanded us to do? He has commanded us to evangelize, to save souls. And the question is, are we doing it? And are we expecting a reward? Well, the reward will be with you in heaven. We'll be right back right after this. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, The Catholic Church is just out of touch. It's going to have to change if it ever hopes to be relevant in today's world. But G.K. Chesterton says, We do not need a church that will move with the world. We need a church that will move the world. It's not that the church has to change, it's that the world has to change, and it's up to us, as the church, to change the world. That is the call to conversion. We don't convert the world by giving in to it. Chesterton says, the world is converted by the saint that contradicts it most. I guess that explains why in an age that worships money, sex, and power, the most influential woman in the modern world was a tiny little nun taking care of the sick and dying in the streets of Calcutta. Want more than a minute? Visit Chesterton.org. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be with you today. You know, I am very grateful for the fact that we have Catholic Radio. Because technology is such a pain. It really is. If you think about it, it's kind of a net negative on our life most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, usually. And even whenever we try to use technology for good, new technology just doesn't work. Old technology just works, mm-hmm. even if it's not like as as crisp or as fancy. Old technology just works. Like radio, like we're just it just works. Thanks be to God. And cuz our live streams across YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, all those places where we normally live stream are down. But you know where we're still live on? On the radio. On the radio. On the radio. On the airwaves. On the airwaves. On so the Guadalupe Radio Network app. And Catholic Spirit Radio. And Catholic Spirit Radio. So Amen. praise be to God. So, yeah, just, you know, and very frustrating when those things happen. But we thank God for the grace that we have the opportunity to be here on the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. But anyway, on to some stories that are very interesting. Uh, we'll start here. There is an update on the story with the uh, whole Bishop Strickland saga. And so I'll read to you a couple of things that are of note that has come out in the last 24 hours. In recent revelation, Terry Barber of Virgin Most Powerful Radio uh, shared an unsettling encounter between the Pope Francis Apostolic Nuncio to the U.S., Cardinal Christopher Pierre, and Bishop Strickland three years ago. Uh, Barber disclosed the... I just lost my place. Barber disclosed the Pierre admonished Bishop Strickland at a U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops meeting, stating, quote, You need to stop talking about the deposit of faith. There is no deposit of faith, end quote. Now, this is a very shocking thing to say. If this is true, which I don't know why uh, Bishop Strickland and Terry Barber would lie, um, that is very concerning that the papal nuncio in the U.S. doesn't believe that there is a deposit of faith and that he's chastising Bishop Strickland for talking about the deposit of faith. I, I pray that this is a, a misrepresentation or just a, a false memory. They just uh, misheard him, perhaps. But that is very concerning if that is true. It's also interesting people were wondering about the U.S. conference uh, meeting, the biannual plenary session that's happening today, and wondering if Bishop Strickland was going to attend. So we now know Bishop Strickland is set to lead a rosary rally in Baltimore during the USCCB uh, plenary session. So he actually lost his right to vote at the actual meeting itself because which kind of makes sense because he it is a conference of Catholic bishops in the United States. And technically speaking, Bishop Strickland is no longer a United States bishop. He is a bishop that resides in the United States, but he's not actually a bishop of anything in the United States. 
currently. So it would make sense that he does not have voting power. Uh, however, since he is now a, quote, emeritus bishop, he's allowed to attend the meetings, uh, He though he will not be able to vote. I don't know whether or not he will be able to speak, whether he's allowed to contribute, uh, but he will not be allowed to vote, but he is allowed to attend meetings. And if I find out whether or not he's allowed to speak or not, I will update you on that. Uh, bishop Strickland will attend the meetings and join Auxiliary Bishop Joseph Coffey and public recitation of the rosary on November 15th at the Marriott Waterfront Hotel in our Harbor East. Now, Bishop Strickland, uh, he says, quote, that he was, um, he says that he, he expresses his belief that he was removed for, quote, threatening some of the powers that be with the truth of the gospel, end quote. So he also emphasizes the point that the rosary rally is aims to uphold these values of the teachings of Jesus Christ and invites the faithful to join in solidarity. So that's the uh, update on the Bishop Strickland story, and we will keep you up to date as things develop and as we learn more things about this story. Now, on to this story, which I think is <laughs> it's kind of funny. I want to play this clip for you, and this clip is <laughs> Gavin Newsom admitting to the fact that he is only cleaning up San Francisco because Xi Jinping is coming to visit and others and other world leaders. Uh, so we'll play that clip for you. I know folks say, oh, they're just cleaning up this place because all those fancy leaders are coming into town. Um, that's true because it's true. But it's also true for months and months and months prior to APEC, We've been having different conversations. I know folks say... Yeah, there you go, folks. <laughs> he, I, don't, I don't even know what to say to that. Uh, we were speculating yesterday. We were talking about it. He was like, yep, he's uh, the cleaned up San Francisco. And obviously it's because these communist leaders, GJP, Joe Biden, um, Justin Trudeau, and a bunch of other very important people are coming into San Francisco. And we're like, obviously it's because of that. And he comes out and says it. He says, quote, I know folks say, oh, they're just cleaning up this place because all those fancy leaders are coming into town. That's true. Because it's true. <laughs> like, bro, you just said the quiet part out loud. So there you go, folks. I don't understand how anybody can vote for this man after this, recognizing that he could have fixed your city at any moment and just chose not to. And this should also be a lesson to anyone who lives in a city like that. I'm looking at you, Houston. I'm looking at you, pretty much every major city in America. The governors and the mayors of these cities can clean up those cities overnight if they want to. They choose not to. Uh, we saw this most clearly in El Salvador, where it was just utter chaos in Salvador. People were fleeing, coming to the United States. MS-13 was coming to the United States and killing U.S. citizens. And overnight, over a course of a month, the El Salvador, the new president of El Salvador, rounded up MS-13 gang members all across the country, threw them in prison, and the entire country changed. And a course of a month, cleaned up the streets, crime rates plummeted, people started coming back to their country. People stopped leaving the country all in a month. 
How did that happen? How did that happen? Is it because this president was magical? Some secret knowledge? Particularly great? No. It's actually really simple. If you enforce the law, less people break the law. It's really that simple. So I think that now we have a game plan for every single city in America. So hopefully more people will continue to uh, hold their governors and mayors to account and say, hey, guys, we know you can fix it now. So we expect you to go out there and fix it and not just leave it the way it was before. A very concerning story coming out of San Francisco. I mean, it's a good story, and I hope San Francisco ends. What do you call people from San Francisco? San Franciscans? Yeah, I think that's right. San Franciscans. San Franciscans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope they enjoy their three days of cleanliness. Because hmm. um, afterwards, I'm sure it'll go right back to normal. <laughs> uh, they they will not sustain it. Because homelessness is part of the plan, right? They, they want the cities to be terrible. And I was talking to my friend Carol, and she uh, was saying that, yeah, I worked at um, the Catholic Charities for, for years. And that's... My experience is homeless people just don't want to be at the homeless shelters because they want to do drugs. They want to get drunk. They don't want to follow the curfew laws or rules. They don't want to have all the basic, follow the basic rules. And so they rather live on the streets where they can do whatever they want. Side note, I was really... um, Annoyed one time I was giving I gave money to a homeless person. I gave him like a couple dollars and I was like, oh, wait, here, I also have some change. I'll give him the change. The guy threw the change at me. And it's the weirdest thing. It's like. The homeless population in America are some of the least grateful people, generally speaking. Obviously, there are exceptions, uh, many exceptions, but I have had so many encounters so many where I try to give them food and they just like, no, I don't want your food. Or I try to give them a gift card and they're like, no, I want cash. And I was volunteering at a soup kitchen one time and we ran out of chocolate cake. And so I gave the guy a vanilla cake and the guy like yelled at me because he wanted chocolate cake. I'm like, bro, you're getting free food. You're getting free dessert. I go, what are you talking about? I, I don't understand. That's a complete side note, but I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it. So anyway, on to the story. And Rudy, you're a huge fan of women's soccer, right? I, I love it. I watch that all the time. How did you know that? I just you just look at the kind of guy who really? likes women's soccer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know who Megan Rapinoe is? No, <laughs> Megan Rapinoe. The only reason why I know who this person is is because she's so insufferable hmm. that she's like on the news all the time. She was um, kneeling for the anthem. She talks about how uh, homosexuals are being oppressed in America. So she hates America, even though she went to go represent the United States in the Olympics and all these other things. And she's just utterly insufferable. And she's just, just the worst person to listen to, to have to hear about. And she's a women's soccer player. And she talks about how great she is. She's like, I have a voice because they can't replace me because I'm such a good athlete. I'm like, you're a good athlete for a woman. Because women athletes are not as good as male athletes. And I was really encouraged because there was a um, 
a female soccer player who came out and she was asked about the time whenever the female soccer players lost a um, a soccer match to the 15-year-old boys. And she was like, oh, yeah, of course, because men are better. Men are better at, at sports. In fact, it was good because we got to practice with the, with boys and it gave, made us better. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's very clear. I mean, there's a biology. Boys are going to be faster, stronger, quicker, and that translates to sports. So the idea that these uh, some of these feminist soccer players are like, oh, we're so great, it, it lacks humility. It ra- lacks recognition that you're actually not that great. Okay? You're not that great. And also, soccer is just running back and forth. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a huge we're fan gonna, of soccer. We're going to get some hate mail for that. But. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of soccer. But she came out, and the reason why she's coming up in conversation again is because her last game in her career – she injured her Achilles, and she said it was proof that God doesn't exist. She comes out and says, quote, I'm not a religious person or anything, and if there was a God, this is proof that there isn't. This is messed up. And I, I cleaned up her language because she was very vulgar. This is like kindergarten-level theology here. Oh, I twisted my ankle, therefore God doesn't exist. I'm like, Dude, give me a break. It's, let's not be kindergarten theology here. Just because there is suffering does not mean God doesn't exist. Okay? All right? This lady, let's pray for her that she have a conversion because clearly she needs God in her life. Clearly she doesn't understand suffering at all. And perhaps it would be worthy to revisit this and talk about the role of suffering and why there is suffering. But in a simple way, there is suffering because... It could be good for us. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your church most likely has a praise and worship time. Would you be surprised to know that the songs you sing might have nothing to do with worship? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Praise and worship was not a term used until the mid-60s when the Jesus people music started becoming more complex and contemporary. By the late 70s, praise and worship had become an entire entity of its own. Secondly, what is worship? It's a sacrifice. It's not singing a soft, flowy song with hands raised. The New Testament writers understood that worship was a sacrifice, that it occurred on an altar, which was and is known as a place of slaughter. Thirdly, the altar is for you. Jesus, in the holy sacrifices of the Mass, invites you to participate in His timeless sacrifice of love that truly occurs on the altar. No nightclub effects, no entertainment, no pumped-up emotion. Oh, and please don't register for the next Praise and Worship Global Seminar. Why? Because you can't teach praise and it won't include worship. Yikes! Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. Catholics in pot is the headline. Denver Archbishop speaks out against marijuana use and U.S. drug culture. Thanks be to God. He says, quote, I write to you out of pastoral concern for the salvation of souls, and I am convinced of the need to address the impact marijuana use is having on individuals, families, and society in general. 
Bishop Aquila wrote on November 10th. He says, continuing, we cannot pretend that the legislation or the legalization of growing cultural acceptance of drugs do not have disproportionate effects on the most vulnerable in our society. Not only that, but it's also an assault on human dignity, taking advantage of the vulnerable for the sake of financial profit. I pray for those who turn to drugs to escape reality, to avoid pain, to deal with loneliness, rejection, and emotional wounds, or to deal with the struggle to find meaning in life. I ask our Lord Jesus Christ to have mercy on them, to turn their hearts away from what is below them to what only He can offer, true love, joy, peace, and happiness. Colorado and its uh, capital, Denver, have long been the forefront of marijuana usage and culture in the United States. And the Centennial State was one of the first to legalize recreational marijuana, doing so in 2012. Since then, the state has seen demonstrably higher rates of teen marijuana usage, traffic accidents, homelessness, and drug-related violence. I recommend checking out this article if you uh, know anybody in your life that uh, is struggling with this. Uh, go to Catholic News Agency and search for this article from the Denver Archbishop. And lastly, you know, we always criticize the Zoomers. But here's another great Zoomer story. It's time to take the Z-pill. Gen Z support for gay so-called marriage plummets. A new study shows that support for same-sex marriage, so-called marriage, among Americans in Generation Z has fallen by 11% in just two years. According to the American Enterprise Institute Survey Center on American Life, 69% of Gen Z Americans support recognizing marriages between two men or two women in 2023. That's down from 80% in 2021. Praise be to God. Hopefully it keeps plummeting. Those are all your headlines this morning. May uh, God bless all of your holy efforts today. That's really good news, Rudy. I think so. I am very encouraged by Gen Z. Now, the number's still pretty high, 69%. But that's pretty. That's a pretty big drop. I think Gen Z... I mean, it's surprising how good Gen Z is considering mm-hmm. who raised them. And all the other... Uh, external factors. Right. Like they're getting indoctrinated by the school system, by social media, by their families, the millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, all these things are just like coming down on Gen Z. And somehow, I guess it's the um, it's the rebellious thing to do is to be normal, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, your blue-haired feminist mom and your uh, your um, homosexual father or transgender father is there and you're like, no, dad, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. <laughs> I don't want to go to the leftist rally. But you're supposed to be for abortion. That's your dream, mom, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel uh, like that's kind of the case. I mean, I think that's a lot of it is that uh, got to take the Z pill. Yeah, the, I mean, I'm a Gen Zer, so I, I'm a, I gotta, I gotta support my people. My, True, my peoples. I think Gen <laughs> Z is like from 13 to like 26, 27, somewhere around there. Don't ask me. It's like I don't have that number. <laughs> like something like that. So anyway, uh, joining us right now is Edwin Benson. He is on to talk to us about the modern education system. He's taught high school history for at least 33 years. He also holds an MA degree in business and economic history, as well as an MS in educational leadership. He's also the author of the book, Can America's Schools Be Saved?, as well as being a regular contributor to returntoorder.org. So check out all of his articles, all constantly putting out articles on the education system, many 
uh, many articles that are uh, more they ever read. Good morning to you, Mr. Benson. How you doing today? Uh, praise be to God. I'm doing very well. It's good to have you on, Mr. Benson. Uh, now, the question for you, let's start here. This article, I was... Like I, I was really surprised these two articles that I saw coming out of Return to Order were very positive. And I'm thinking, when are we getting positive news out of the education system? This is uh, seems illegal. So let's talk about this. The new classical learning test, uh, can it break the radical stranglehold on college admission testing? I was really surprised by this as a positive development. Tell me about this. It's, yeah, you know, the... the People, people, people. Mr. Benson, it seems like we're having some connection issues. Uh, invite you to uh, call us by the phone one eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. We'll send that out to you. But uh, it seems like we're having some connection issues there. But I'm looking forward to hearing about yeah. the the school system. Yeah, they're very good. Let's see if we can um, get that audio taken care of, and then we will definitely pick that up. Um, but uh, we'll jump in as soon as you're ready, Mr. Benson, and we'll have you on. And the recent article with the Wall Street Journal, uh, Mr. Benson quotes it in his article here. It, apparently in Florida, they are allowing uh, prospective college students to take what's known as the classic learning test, or CLT, as opposed to the traditional form, the SAT and the ACT, and that's kind of what many colleges, probably what you took, that's what I took when I was going off to college, and I was really surprised by this. Um, and I was immediately, whenever I hear about something new that's coming out of the education system, immediately I am skeptical. Very immediately I'm like, uh-oh, this can't be good. And so the fact that it is not bad news is really surprising to me. Uh, but Mr. Benson is on with us. Good morning to you, Mr. Benson. Good morning. Ah, much better. Praise be to God. I can hear you loud and clear. Uh, Mr. Benson, Wonderful. we were talking about the, the CLT, and I was just uh, recapping what it is, or that it was presented as an opposition to the ACT and, AC, and SAT, and immediately when I see new things popping up in the education system, I'm always skeptical, but you're saying that this actually has a lot of positive things with it. So tell me about this. Well, yeah, this does actually have some merit. Uh, you know, obviously the, the ACT and the SAT have just dominated this industry for at least since the 1950s. The SAT goes back to the early, tw very early 20th century. Um, but as they have become more liberal, uh, I guess I could use that term, um, less focused on actual learning and more about social justice, uh, this this little uh, you know this little startup in a sense, uh, this classical learning test has begun to get some traction, and it is still primarily with uh, with small uh, you know smaller colleges that tend to have religious backgrounds. But recently, the state of Florida decided to make the classic learning test one of the tests that you can use to get into the Florida State University system. And that has to be, you know, that, that's just a major step forward for them. 
Yeah, that's very surprising that uh, that, that would happen. Uh, but so if someone wanted to take this this exam instead of the SAT and ACT, uh, you're saying that it's a very limited amount of schools that accept it? Yeah, I, the, the last list I looked at was about 250. So it's not extremely limited, but it is still, a, a, you know, it's still a startup. And so what about and, this is makes it more positive? What about the test? Well, it's actually based on what you know. Uh, so it's, you know, it's based on, uh, you know, thinkers through the years, the things that they have written, the things that they uh, have taught. Uh, and so the more you know, the better you are likely to do on it, as opposed to being, you know, basically the SAT and the ACT over the years became more tests of process, um, as opposed to uh, looking at, you know, the at specific knowledge, what were you able to do? Now, that's a, a much looser kind of, you know, can you come to a conclusion? Can you pull evidence out of, you know, here's this reading. Can you, pull, you know, what can you pull out of it? And in a sense, the quality of the reading has something to do with the quality of the material that, that comes out of it. Right. And I think that's very important because if the tests, because most of the schools are, are set up in such a way that we are trying to set up the the education, so that way you pass the test. And so if the test is bad, then the education is bad. Is that kind of a good idea I, of it? I think that is a very real statement. Yes, indeed. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So as the, as the tests became more about process, so too did schools become more about process. Mm. And, uh, and so, you know, if you're going, to, you know, if you're not going to get a question about Plato, why teach anything about Plato? Right. That makes sense. We're going to go to a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I was really surprised because you mentioned that there were ancients of uh, philosophers and theologians that were mentioned among some of the education and this new way of looking at it. And I was really surprised by that. So we're going to talk about that when we come back from this quick break. Don't go anywhere. More with Edwin Vincent right after this. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, Why do Christians talk so much about God and so little about humanity? G.K. Chesterton says that the people who insist that we forget divine things and think of human things end up talking about how helpless human beings are because of their faulty environment or their fatal heredity or their uncontrollable animal instincts. And it all ends with the old fatalist cry that we must forgive everything because there's nothing to forgive. But these things are not the human things. These are the subhuman things, the, the things we share with animals. The human things are exactly what they dismiss as merely divine. The human things are free will, responsibility, authority, and self-denial. The things that are really human are also divine. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. We're talking with Edwin Benson. He's has an MA in business and economic history and also an MS in educational leadership. And very much to the topic today, he's the author of the book, Can America's Schools Be Saved? As well as being a regular contributor to returntoorder.org. Check out returntoorder.org for his most recent articles, including the ones that we're talking about today. And Mr. Benson was telling us before he went to a break about the classical learning test and its effect on the actual education of the students. And I was really surprised by this. You saw in your article, the classic and classic learning test refers to our use of the classic literature and historical texts for the reading section on our exams. By engaging students with this meaningful content, CLT assessments offer a more edifying test experience and reflect a holistic education. Now, you list some of the people that are are that are read or expected to have been read by the students, and among them were some Catholic saints, and I was really surprised by that. Tell me about this. Well, uh, you know, they, they break up their list into several, uh, several large time periods. So among the ancients, you've got St. Athanasius, St. Jerome, uh, medievals are, uh, you know, Gregory the Great, uh, St. Catherine of Siena. Uh, and then in their early modern period, which is basically anything since uh, the, the Middle Ages, um, St. Thomas More, St. Teresa of Avila. Now, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to throw out the idea that this is primarily a Catholic test because it's not. These lists are, are very long. But the fact that Christian thinkers are included among them is such a radical change from anything that the ACT or the SAT has offered us for years that it's, it's really very refreshing. Yeah, that's really surprising. I know you mentioned there, I mean, it's, and they're listed amongst other people like Karl Marx, Calvin, Luther, Rousseau, Freud. Uh, but you're right, like you're saying, the fact that they're even listed at all is, is jaw dropping. And I never would have expected it. I expect Freud to be listed. I expect Marx to be listed. I don't expect Teresa of Avila to be listed. That's, that's crazy to me. Right. And now people may say, okay, that's cool and all, but that's something that's going on in Florida. How would I want if my one of my kids to take this exam or for this to become ubiquitous in my school system or be accepted by my alma mater? Uh, what can we do? Well, you know, obviously, they, you know, the the classic learning test people put, you know, they have a they have a, a website, um, citexam.com and a list of partner colleges, and they say that there are over 250 of them. Um, again, more of them in Florida than in other states because the Florida state system takes it. Um, you know, the, I mean, first off, if you're, if you're planning to go to a college that has a religious background, there's a decent chance that your, your school is going to take it. I mean, you know, for instance, Franciscan in Steubenville, Ohio takes it. Uh, 
you know, so if that's something that you are interested in, the possibility exists there. Um, if you're, if you're in a, another state and you're limited to the state system, you could certainly call the state and say, you know, the State Department of Education and ask them, uh, you know, about this, you know, about the classical learning test. Now, you know, quite frankly, if you're going to a school that is run by, you know, by hard leftists, and unfortunately most of our state systems are, mm-hmm. uh, you may, get, you know, you're going to encounter, you'll encounter some resistance. But the mere fact that people are asking the question raises it in their minds because there is a huge, huge competition among colleges for students. Um, it, it, you know, for those of us who grew up in a time when you, you know, you had to hope, you know, maybe I'll get into college, maybe I won't, I better work really hard. Well, you know, that's not the case anymore. And, uh, any graduating senior with a decent set of grades is getting huge amounts of literature from many, many colleges. I mean, sneeze, and a college is going to send you uh, information right. about how to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still get them, and, and I haven't so, been graduated for years, and I still get uh, people sending me stuff. And, <laughs> and so, contacting their admissions office and asking, mm-hmm. "Do you take the uh, Do you take the uh, the classic learning test?" Um, just, you know, that by itself is enough to raise it up in, in, in the, the, the mindset of these folks that, again, are working in a very, very competitive environment. Very true. Very true. And I think that's something, I mean, squeaky wheel gets the grease is a real, real reality. Uh, so make sure, oh, yeah. I mean, if you want this to be a thing, go reach out to your, your favorite university, your alma mater or a university your student or your kid um, wants to go to. And I'm looking at the list here. The Ave Maria University, uh, University of St. Thomas, University of Dallas, uh, the Hillsdale, um, all sorts of very good universities. You mentioned Franciscan. Uh, Christendom is on this list. A, very, a lot of really good schools are on this list. And Thomas Aquinas College. So I'm very, very encouraged. Wyoming College is on here. Wyoming Catholic, rather. So I'm very encouraged by the list. And, um, yeah, reach out and let's make that uh, a more accessible to people. But at the same time we're talking about this, there is other good news, which is that a lot of young people are rejecting college education. Now, some people who kind of grew up 50 years ago may think this is a bad news and because they kind of remember a time where college was you were able to pay for college off of working a full-time job or working a part-time job even and that you needed an education in order to get uh, ahead in life and so they don't understand why this might be good news so tell me about this why are so many young people rejecting college education and is this good or is this bad well it's a simple cost benefit analysis and you know that sounds that sounds sort of elevated but trust me any kid can figure out if what he's being asked to do is worth doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and simply the, the simple case is that college educations have gotten massively more expensive. And yet at the same time, the degree is not worth what it once was. I mean, why would you spend, you know, $80,000 a year is not an unheard of amount of money. For you know, for for college tuition, books, dorms, the, you know, the whole shot altogether. 
so you know, and that's per year. Oof. So we're looking at, you know, if you finish it in four years, three hundred and twenty thousand dollars. You know, now admittedly, a lot of those colleges are willing to offer you scholarships. It's really a coupon, you know, you know, you know, fifty percent off or something mm-hmm. like that, and that's the way you should look at it. It's not a, it's not a huge deal anymore, unfortunately. But the, uh, but the simple fact is that college is incredibly expensive, and the degree, you know, a bachelor's degree, unfortunately, today is really not worth much as as an economic proposition. It's also, unfortunately, in most colleges, now you mentioned some very good colleges, but uh, but in terms of, you know, some of the some of the more liberal colleges, uh, you know, that that degree is is really largely, unfortunately, worthless. Mm-hmm. Um, there know, was so a video uh, that came out recently, Mr. Benson, that I was I very it was very sad, really. This young lady posted a video how she was so frustrated that she was one hundred thousand dollars in debt and she, her current job as a waiter was going to be paying more than the intro, intro job and marketing. And she's saying, I can't get a high-paying job in marketing because I have no experience. And she's like, the college was supposed to be the experience. It was supposed to get right. me ahead. And yet I have to start at a low-level job that's going to pay less than when I got paid as a waitress. And she's freaking out. And rightfully so. She is freaking out. She was, she was duped by the college system. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? It is, it is frankly, a massive scam. And I'm not, you know, I, and I have, you know, I've got three degrees. I've got a bachelor's degree. I've got two masters. I believe in college. I grew up in that, you know, I, I, you know, I was growing up in the 60s and 70s. And so, you know, you know, the whole baby boomer college mentality was very much a part of my life. But when I look at what students are being offered in comparison with what they're actually, you know, I mean, they're, you look at all of that material and I have, uh, you know, in, in my family, we sort of skipped a generation. I have a daughter who is currently 19 years old. And so, you know, two years ago, we were getting this massive amount of information and all of these colleges were talking about how wonderful they were and how this was, this was going to be the path to your future. And then you go and you're not getting what they are advertising. It's just that simple. And, and word is getting to the, the students that that is the case. Right. And it's, it's really sad because the marketing with education is you just need the piece of paper and it'll get you ahead in life. And it has degraded the quality of the education as well. I talked to one of my philosophy professors about this. And because so many students are going there just to get the piece of paper and they don't actually want an education, they just want what the education gets you, that they try, they get, they have the mentality of C's get degrees. And so nobody cares uh-huh. enough to do the work, to do the reading, to excel. Um, and I was an anomaly in the fact that I, I wanted to study theology and philosophy. I didn't care about doing something practical, um, but that was kind of more the exception than the rule. Yeah, I, I remember I, even even when I was at, uh, you know I, I graduated from the University of Michigan with my bachelor's degree, and uh, when I was at Michigan, I remember one of my colleagues saying, "College students are the only people who want less for their money," mm. and there was there was a certain truth to that, mm-hmm. but it was a lot less money, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know? 
Right. I, I think I, I think I had two thousand dollars in student debt when I got my bachelor's degree. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, that, that kind of concept is just so foreign to, to people my generation, the Gen Zers. Um, I graduated in 2020 and my brother is going to be graduating this year and I'm, it's just a totally different world. And I think a lot of the yeah. older generation doesn't realize the debt and the, this, the burden that they're binding their children with. Um, in the last minute we have with you, Mr. Benson, where can people stay up to date with what you're putting out and where can people get in touch with you? Well, I work at uh, www.returntoorder.org, uh, so that's where that's where we publish our articles. Uh, I also have uh, a uh, a podcast called the Return to Order Moment uh, that people can you know I'd, I'd love to have people subscribe to and uh, and listen to. It comes out uh, every week as uh, as wednesday becomes thursday wednesday, as, excuse me as tuesday becomes wednesday at midnight there you go so there'll be an epi- episode that will go live in about uh what about 12 hours something like you know 12, 15 hours perfect praise be to god then uh check that out the is it the return to order podcast is that the name of it yes the return, it's to, a return to order moment. Return to order moment. Return to order moment. Check it out. Uh, I actually listen to it, so I enjoy it. So return to order moment. Check it out. And return to order. Return to order.org. God bless you, Mr. Benson. God love you. God love you too, sir. And Bye-bye. that's going to do it for the first hour. If you want to join us in the next hour, we'd love to have you. Adam Bly with the Spirit World is going to come to join us. Talk about the Spirit World. All this and more on Catholic Drive Time right after this. Don't go anywhere. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and the rest of the Mass sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue. You're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to study a section of the catechism. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Catechism of the Catholic Church? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Ever feel like life's just too much? 
Maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace today, begin at catholicscomehome.com. I used to wonder if God really cared about me. Then I started praying and going to church. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. It's so good to be on with you. We just wrapped up a conversation with Edwin Benson with ReturnToOrder.org. His podcast is funny. I didn't know this whole time the podcast was Return to Order Moment, but I've been listening to it for years, and I never realized that it was Return to Order Moment, not Return to Order. Whoops. But they put out some excellent stuff. I highly recommend. A lot of it is them um, recapping basically their articles. And it's really helpful because I'm lazy. And that just means it's one less article I have to read. So if you would like to read those articles, you can always go to Return to Order Moment podcast and listen to it there. Or just go to returntoorder.org and read the articles yourself. So that's always an option for you. But joining us right now is Adam Bly. Adam Bly with The Spirit World that airs every Saturday, 10 a.m. Central across the GRN and EWTN. Good morning to you, Mr. Bly. Good morning, Adrian. Nice to be with you again. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Now, Adam, this is a, this, there was a crazy video that was going viral over the last few weeks and i just came to see it um this last week over on i probably i think it was like the the 10th or the 11th over the weekend i saw this video and it was very very concerning and i wanted to get your take on it i'm going to play it and see uh, what your thoughts are Uh, so if you could play that taylor how to practice abortion as a magical ritual part one my qualifications for teaching this i am a witch who has had abortions and has used them as rituals. I've been through this twice. And it's birthing magic and death magic simultaneously. If you are a womb body who has made the decision to have an abortion, keep in mind that there is death and there is life. There has been a conception. There is life that has been conceived. For me, I look at the abortions I've had as workings. So just like you would go through a spell and do things in a very specific order, you would you would lay things out in a very specific order because how we do our rituals and our workings and our spell castings, the order that we do them in is the order they play out in, in the physical, when the magic like really kicks in and our spirits that we have called on say it's time for that working to work. So if we look at an abortion and conception ritualistically, there's a life that has been conceived. So yeah, so that's part of the video, and there is uh, a ton of TikTok videos like this. And so the first thing, before I get your take on this, Adam, I would just say to any parent, get your kids off of TikTok, please. It's just there's a whole world in TikTok that they call witch talk, and it's just people like this promoting witchcraft to children, and it's absolutely despicable. But Adam, uh, what's your take on this video? Well, Adrian, I've not, um, yeah, I don't look at TikTok. I, I don't 
you know, use these platforms, but um, super disturbing, of course. Um, number of levels of that that are concerning. So, of course, first off, you know, to take a life, um, it's just by its very nature, just, just stopping there without thinking about Christianity or anything, just the idea of taking a life. All we have to do is imagine if that was me, would I want my life taken at whatever stage, you know, in the womb now. Um, so we can, we can see that to take a life is an evil. Um, it's because we don't want that done to us. So at the very simple level, we can see it that way. And of course, the news is filled with concerns about children being, you know, killed in wars, but people being killed in wars, civilians, it's, it's all over because people are horrified by the taking of life. So, you know, that's the most basic level that's super concerning. Like, how do you get to the point where you can think it's a good to take a life and then encourage others that this is somehow empowering or going to let their will be uh, forced onto the world through, you know, some supposed spell. Um, So, you know, really kind of strange, disordered thinking there. Um, And then, of course, from a Christian perspective, because Christianity basically reflects the golden rule, do unto others as you would have done unto you. So we don't want to be killed. We don't want to have our things stolen. We don't want to be, you know, lied about. These are what the Ten Commandments are. We want to, you know, honor our father and mother, etc. So there's a commandment, thou shalt not kill. And of course, this person is, is openly acknowledging a life has been conceived. And then, you know, in a roundabout way, encouraging people to, um, have the abortion and then use the abortion for supposed magical power. So that's going to be a mortal sin. It's going to break your friendship with God. It's going to bring spiritual death um, until you repent of that. Uh, so that's a big deal from a Christian perspective, of course. And I think, you know, most reasonable people in the world would say that's a big deal to take a life. But there's a deeper level to this, Adrian, and that is if you try to do this as a magical ritual, you're kind of yoking this action to demons and appealing to them for some favor. Because the things that she's saying, like uh, this idea in witchcraft that human beings have some power in them that they can uh, manipulate the world with spiritually, you know, make things fly around or cause other people to behave the way you want, etc., etc., uh, human beings have no such power. We can't sit there and meditate and then float up into the air just because we want to. So the only thing that we can appeal to for these unusual activities is either God or the demonic. There, There's no other source. We can't do these things on our own. And so God's not going to respond to somebody killing, um, you know, a life and then do what they're asking for. So that leaves demons. And so basically... People are entering into a relationship with the demonic where they now owe them. It's kind of like, you know, borrowing money from somebody who's corrupt. You now owe them in more ways than just the money. And it leads to a deepening relationship. And the lie that is necessary is that, oh, there's no demon there. It's just nature or, you know, the force of the universe that you're manipulating, whatever the lie is. But in the end, and we see it over and over with people that come to us for help, um, they find out eventually, no, it is, a, it is an evil personality that then tries to dominate them. So I'm sorry for the long answer, Adrian, but it's, no, um, no, that's great. It's, it's, it's super concerning. 
And, you know, just as a, a footnote, we've done a whole show on this. Uh, witchcraft is not an ancient pre-Christian religion. Um, Wicca was cooked up by uh, Gerald Gardner in the 60s and 70s in England, um, and he blended Aleister Crowley's magic with Freemasonry and his own home-cooked ideas and then claimed it was a pre-Christian religion, uh, referencing an Encyclopedia Britannica article um, that had circulated in the early part of the 1900s that was debunked and removed by them. Um, but it created the witch cult hypothesis, um, which had no basis in reality. It was done by an amateur um, um, kind of folk person called Margaret Murray, who had no actual um, professional credentials. And she cooked up this idea that was accepted for a long time, and then Encyclopedia Britannica retracted it. But by the time it was retracted, the idea was circulated as fact, uh, mm -hmm. but it's not. So basically, it, it's built on sand, but the modern people, they like the glamour of, oh, this is an ancient pre-Christian thing, and it empowers me, and isn't it wonderful? But it's actually, it's all just lies, and it's, it's like a wrapper around black magic. Hmm. And so the devil doesn't really care whether or not this is something that was cooked up 10 minutes ago or something from 2,000, 3,000 years ago, uh, does he? No, no. The only thing that matters is the act of the will. So hmm. if you make a, a free will act of asking him for a favor, whatever costume he's wearing doesn't matter. If you ask him for a favor, that's what he cares about, um, because that's what he needs in order to get the right to enter your life in a in a more and more impactful way. And I think it's very important for people to keep in mind. It's not a special set of words that you say. And if you say these particular words, this particular order, and then it's over for you. It's an act of the will. I think that's very important to keep in mind whenever we, we see these things popping up in popular culture. And now, Adam, many parents may have uh, given their kids a phone, their cell phone, and they're on social media, and maybe they're just not able to monitor everything they do. And obviously, the first thing I'd say is just take the kid's phone away. Honestly, don't let your kids have social media. Uh, but uh, granting that this is just happening, what would you say to a parent about protecting their kids from seeing this kind of material? Uh, how do you inoculate them from this indoctrination? Well, that's, I think that's, that's a tough thing. I don't think there's a simple answer to it because, you know, their friends may show them stuff on their phones. But I would, I would think that if they're very young, I'd say you have to be careful about how young you give a phone to a child because we have this tendency that if it's on a screen, it's true. You know, if, if, if it's in a movie, it, it kind of feels like it's real and true. And if it's on the phone now, which is how people get their material, um, it's de facto true. And I've seen this in, in working with people and talking with them where they, they just assume that, that the screen is authoritative. And when you're a little child, that's more so. When you're very little, adults talking to you are kind of emotionally just assumed to be authoritative and they know what they're talking about, especially if they speak with confidence. So I'd really say that, you know, I've heard of stories of kids very young getting phones, and I, I suspect that that's a real error, um, not alone with this stuff, but, you know, with the pornography and everything else. Um, I would say delay the phone for a while, you know, and I might sound like somebody who's getting older, but delay the phone for a while also. So maybe the child 
goes out into the world and actually does real things as mm-hmm. opposed to sitting and staring at a screen for their childhood. Amen, amen. And I will echo what you said there as someone who's only 25 and and I think we just interviewed a friend of mine who's he's already has two kids and he's um 21 and he's having no smartphone technology in his home and I think um more and more people are waking up and realizing the the devastating effect of technology on our lives and on the lives of children. So I think that's very important to keep in mind. Uh, now, Adam, before we run out of time here, um, what is the topic for the spirit world coming up this Saturday? We're going to do an open forum, Adrian, where um, this week we are just kind of open the lines and let people call in about anything that they want. Uh, we do that once in a while because sometimes people have questions that don't fit in with the theme of the week but they really, you know, are looking for a place to discuss those and maybe get a, a potential answer for them. Well, praise be to God. And people can uh, tune in on the spirit world across the EWTN or Guadalupe Radio Network, 10 a.m. Central on the Guadalupe Radio Network or any EWTN affiliate uh, organization. But um, Adam, the how did the um, the last Saturday's spirit world go with the, the mailbag? I know y'all covered a number of topics. Uh, how did that go? Well, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought the questions were really good, um, and hopefully some of them are useful to people. But, you know, so far what I've heard is, is uh, you know, it was interesting to folks, and hopefully, you know, hopefully there's something useful there. That's that's our goal. Well, I always look forward to hearing about the, what's going on with the spirit world. And I listening to the callers who call in, I'm always incredibly impressed by um, – the experiences that people have and the depth of knowledge our listeners have. I think it's a very impressive that we see um, a very intelligent questions being asked. Uh, but Adam, uh, God bless you. God love you. We're just about out of time and I um, will tune in and where can people keep in touch? Well, um, you know, they can find the podcast, the spirit world. It's easy to just do a search on that. Uh, it's on the Guadalupe radio network. Of course, um, all the recordings are there from the previous live shows. So that would probably be the easiest way. There you go. The Spirit World with the Guadalupe Radio Network. Check it out and tune in and make sure you call in. And the trick is the phone number for our show is the same phone number you can call in. So if you save our number, you can call in on Saturday at 10 a.m. Central to get your question answered. But God bless you. God love you, Adam, and have a blessed day. God bless you, Adrian, and your listeners. And that's going to do it for the segment. We're going to go into our Fear and Trembling Game Show. And I'm going to give you that phone number. And I want you to save this phone number because you can double up and use this phone number on Saturday. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. You can call now and be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling. And we're giving away prizes. You're going to want to tune in because the prize we're giving away this week it's by it's from a very special friend. Um, so it's a it's a pretty cool gift. 877-757-9424. And be sure to put that number in your speed dial. So that way you can use that number to call in to the Spirit World on Saturday as well. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with more with fear and trembling right after this.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Why is your Protestant Bible four ounces lighter than my Catholic Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a faulty scale? Nope. Well, maybe it's just the weight of the paper or the cover or the binding or some introductory comments. We wish it were just that simple. No, it's the seven books that got dismissed by team Martin Luther. Secondly, audacity. Audacity allowed Luther and others to extract time-tested truths of Scripture and key letters from the canon. What? Yes, about 1,200 years after the Bible canon was fully established, they rejected seven Old Testament books. Not only that, Luther placed the New Testament books of James and Jude, Hebrews and Revelation in a category called, quote, the disputed books. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. If I were to write a deeply personal letter to my wife regarding our future descendants, don't be taking seven of my choice paragraphs out of that letter. Why? You might be robbing those future descendants of a little bit of who Papa was. Now, don't you do that. For victory in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal, and the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's Word. We receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass Weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's number to call to be part of our game show Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could be a winner. All you got to do is pick up that phone and dial that number, 877-757-9424. Let me give it to you one last time, 877-757-9424. Write that number down and you can always get it on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But here's how the game works. I have Three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. And the trick is, I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. You're going to give me an answer and, well, he's going to give me an answer, rather. It's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. This week, you're going to be able to win a restored vintage prayer book, a pocket prayer book, not just any prayer book, but one that you could fit in your pocket. That means you're certainly not going to forget it for mass. You're going to carry it around with you. It's going to be part of your EDC. That's uh, everyday carry, as the uh, young kids are saying these days. And our sponsor this week is Magnificat Handmade. Magnificat Handmade is a a pun, really, because it's it's a Catholic store that's dedicated to Our Lady, Our Lady of Sorrows, and they specialize in handmade goods. You get it? Magnificat oh. Handmade. <laughs> maybe I didn't get to say that properly yesterday, you know. but maybe you get it today. I got it now. It's a pun. And they seek to restore all things in Christ. They're giving away a restored Catholic pocket prayer book, and it's sure to edify all of your spiritual life. Uh, Magnificat Handmade is a workshop uh, dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows and specializes in restoring all kinds of liturgical items, especially books. So thank you very much. 
So Magnificat Handmade. If I wanted to find that, where where could I find Magnificat Handmade? Well, you could follow them on Instagram. You can follow them. They don't have a website. Instagram. Okay. They them. They them. Okay. No, I'm just no. kidding. It's oh, not okay. a they them. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much to Magnificat Handmade. I think that's really cool. Um, especially, I mean, you can have a prayer book in your pocket, and you're so you're not afraid to use it anytime. There's, a, there's something. There's a prayer for everything, right? A prayer for the Pope. A prayer for for meals. A prayer for after meals. A prayer for mass. Just just pull it out and use that prayer book. Very cool. Uh, joining us right now is Benita. Good morning to you, Benita. Good morning. Uh, did I get your name right? Is that pronounced correctly? Uh, Benisha. 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 Good morning to you, Benisha. Where are you calling in from? Plain old Texas. Plain, Plain old Texas. Texas. There you go, folks. There you go. Have a little pride in Texas. It's not just plain old yeah. Texas. That's so funny because <laughs> I, whenever, whenever Rudy made that joke the first time, I was like, I didn't get it. We need a cricket sound. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, uh, I was like, I was like, have a good day. No, no, don't go anywhere. Don't, don't take off. Uh, but we are going to uh, be able to play our game today. Or it looks like she's dropping someone off today. I think that's what's happening in the background there. Uh, <laughs> but, I got spooked there. I know. I was like, where are you going? No, don't, don't go anywhere. Don't leave. Don't leave me. <laughs> we, we don't want anybody to leave from Plano, Texas. That would be terrible. All right, Manicia. They, are you ready to play the game? Are you familiar with how the game works? Yes, I am. Perfect. Then you know... That Rudy can be tricky, but I'm going to guess that you're going to do very well. Are you ready to jump in? Uh, yes. All right, let's jump into it. Question number one for you, Rudy. The question on the board. What preternatural gifts did Adam enjoy before the fall? Which Adam are you talking about? Are you talking about Adam Bly, host of the Spirit World on Saturdays here on the Guadalupe Radio Network? Um, no. I'm talking about Adam, the first man, that Adam. Adam, the guy yeah. without a last name. Uh, look, I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't tell you all from right. Adam, all right? Well, look, this is going to sound crazy. Okay. When I tell you what preternatural gifts he had, okay. it's going to sound absurd. Why would, why would he let anything happen? To lose these gifts. Okay. And these gifts were great knowledge. Mm. He knew almost anything. He could look at a piece of wood and be like, yep, that's, yeah, I'm going to make a chair out of that one. Mastery of his passions. Mm. Freedom from suffering and death. Wow. Wow. I wish I had mastery over my passions. Whenever I see. Yeah, me too. When I see that big, juicy burger. When I see and that sitting there, and there's a big orange Dr. W pepper, what a burger down the street! And I'm like, man, breakfast tacos. Don't eat it, Adrian. Don't <laughs> you don't need a second Dr Pepper, Adrian. Just one is fine. And I'm like, darn, Adam, you lost that preternatural gift, and it caused it to be terrible for all of us. Hey, thanks a lot, bud. Appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> all right, Benicia. 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what preternatural gifts did Adam enjoy before the fall? Rudy says, great knowledge, master of the passions, and freedom from suffering and death. What say you, Benicia? I think yes. You think yes. All right, let's find out. Survey says... 
That is correct. Way to go. Can't trick her. Can't untrickable. Hey, Rudy, you can't trick people from Plano, Texas. It seems like she has great knowledge. It sounds like it. It feels that way. Spark of Adam. Do you know what great knowledge refers to? Uh, just like knowledge of everything now. It pretty. It was a uh, knowledge of all things that they needed to know. It's infused knowledge. Yeah, infused knowledge of things they needed to know. So like they wouldn't know like like what like, plants to pick. Right, right. But they wouldn't know like astrophysics or something like that. that oh, okay. Something they didn't know because they would no, have no reason to know it. So all the things they they needed to know, they knew intuitively. They just knew it all. Uh, so very useful. maybe have you ever wondered this is like a little tiny side tangent like how did we ever discover like for instance that you could smoke a tobacco leaf like you know like maybe that's something that they i don't that, know i think people are just weird I think people, <laughs> I think people just did weird things like i think somebody literally just leaf. dug up a potato and just took a bite out of it i'm pretty <laughs> sure that happened like just people are weird man all right benicia are you ready for question number two uh, yes, I am. All right, let's jump into it. Question number two, Rudy. Mm-hmm. I need you to um, define something for me. Okay. Or give me a translation. Or perhaps describe what this is. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What is a prey do? A prey do. It's a liturgical item, of course. Everybody knows what a prey do is. It's a liturgical item that they use... And it's a clapping noise thing. Mm, so mm-hmm. during the Holy Week, during, you know, especially Good Friday, they bring out the pre and it makes this clacking noise. And it reminds us of the nails being driven into the cross. Okay. All right. That is certainly an answer. But we're going to find out what Benicia <laughs> thinks about what you're your answer there is all right benicia 15 seconds on the clock the question on the board is what is a prey do rudy says a prey do is that thing that that's used it's like a, a clacker noise is used in the liturgy and everybody during, looks around here like, someone dropped something um is that what it is benicia what say you i don't think so you don't <laughs> no. think so all right well let's find out survey says that is correct. Way to go. Uh, way to go, Benicia. Do you know what the correct answer of a pray do? Do you know what that is? No, I don't. So a pray do is actually French for literally pray to God. And it was it's what we call now kneelers. So you have a kneeler and so you would kneel on it because you were using it to pray to God. So it's known as a pray do. It comes from French. And sometimes... Sometimes it's a liturgical clacker because you let it down too hard and it makes a large <laughs> noise. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, way to go, Benicia. Could not be tricked. You're doing great. How do you feel so far? Uh, good. I always enjoy this show. Oh, praise be to God. All right, Benicia. Are you ready for question number three? Uh, yes. All right. Let's do it. Question number three for you, Rudy. All right. Two things, man. Two things. There are two things that never, ever break the Eucharistic fast. What are those two things? All right. So the Eucharistic fast is Mm -hmm. just basically you don't eat anything, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing is bubble gum. Bubble gum? Yep. Okay. By the way, the official Catholic chewing gum is, um, what's that yellow one? I have no idea. I can't remember. It's made by Wrigley's. And the second thing is coffee. Coffee. Mm-hmm. You need your coffee before mass. Coffee and bubble gum. Coffee and bubble. Is it is the bubble gum to like 
get rid of that coffee smell out of the breath? No, it's oh. so that it enhances the coffee taste. Oh, okay. All right. It has to be mint flavored. All right, Benicia. 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what two things never break the Eucharistic fast? Rudy says it's bubblegum and it is coffee. What say you, Benicia? Can you have those things before Mass? Uh, I'd say that's wrong. I think it's water and but I'm not sure. All right. Let's see. Uh, survey says... Way to go, Anicia! <laughs> she got it doubly right because the correct answer is, in fact, water and medicine. That is exactly water the correct answer. Medicine. You nailed it, Anicia. Could not be tricked. A great representation of plain old Texas. How do you feel, Anicia? Oh, very good, thank you. I, I, I drive the children to school in the morning and listen to you and enjoy the previous show too uh enjoyed this morning about um the uh, explanation of witchcraft and stuff oh praise be to god praise be to god we love to have it and we love that you uh tuning in with us uh but stay on the line we're going to put you on hold so we can get your contact information should your name be drawn out but god bless you god love you and have a blessed day thank you very much god bless you all we're going to put you on hold and that's going to do it for the radio side I think it's also going to do it for the whole show because I don't think we're streaming on any platform at the moment. We'll have to get that up. If you want to catch a replay of the show, find our social media feeds. We will post the video portion of the show on our social media feeds within the next couple hours. So subscribe to all of our platforms across pretty much everywhere. Just look up Catholic Drive Time wherever you listen to. But if not, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. God love you. God bless you. And we'll see you very soon for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Home of the Salt Community. Today we celebrate Tuesday of the 32nd week of Ordinary Time. This morning's Mass is being offered for all of our listeners on Guadalupe Radio Network, our online viewers, and for those here present. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. Join the great throttle, psaltery organ and song. Sounding in glad adoration. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, graciously keep from us all adversity, so that unhindered in mind and body alike, we may pursue in freedom of heart the things that are yours. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Book of Wisdom. God formed man to be imperishable. The image of his own nature he made them. But by the envy of the devil, death entered the world, and they who are in his possession experience it. But the souls of the just are in the hand of God, and no torment shall touch them. They seemed, in the view of the foolish, to be dead and their passing away was thought an affliction, and their going forth from us utter destruction. But they are in peace, for if before men indeed they be punished, yet is their hope full of immortality. Chastised a little, they shall be greatly blessed, because God tried them and found them worthy of himself. As gold in the furnace he proved them, and as sacrificial offerings, he took them to himself. In the time of their visitation, they shall shine, and shall dart about as sparks through stubble. They shall judge nations and rule over peoples, and the Lord shall be their king forever. Those who trust in him shall understand truth, and the faithful shall abide with him in love. Because grace and mercy are with his holy ones, and his care is with his elect. The word of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be ever in my mouth. Let my soul glory in the Lord. The lowly will hear me and be glad. I will, I will bless, bless the, the Lord, Lord at all times. The Lord has eyes for the just, 
and ears for their cry. The Lord confronts the evildoers to destroy remembrance of them from the earth. I will, I will bless, bless the, the Lord, Lord at all times. When the just cry out, the Lord hears them, and from all their distress he rescues them. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and those who are crushed in spirit he saves. I will, I will bless, bless the, the Lord, Lord at all times. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to the apostles, Who among you would say to your servant who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, Come here immediately and take your place at table? Would he not rather say to him, Prepare something for me to eat, put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink? You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he grateful to that servant because he did what was commanded? So should it be with you. When you have done all you have been commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were obliged to do. The Gospel of the Lord. In some ways, this morning's Gospel could be summarized very simply as saying, Mind your place and remember who you are and who we are called to be in relationship to God. Because in many ways, probably a lot of us kind of learned that lesson when you were growing up, when you had company come over to the house and there were adults there as a child, you were expected to be more in a posture of listening as opposed to dictating and telling everyone what they ought to be doing. It was all part of the training to mind your place and be aware of your surroundings and of what your setting is. This really is the message of today's gospel. We are called to always be remembered. We human beings have been formed in the image and likeness of God, as we heard at the beginning from the book of wisdom, and we are called to adopt the position of being listeners people who are ready and willing to obey God's word and who never the fact, forget the fact that we are stewards and not owners. To begin with, the most important datum of our life is going to be the fact that we were made in the image and likeness of God. Many great saints along the way, as we know from Revelation, have pointed out that to be made in the image and likeness of God means God knows himself in his one word, which is perfect truth and is productive of the second person of the Holy Trinity. And God loves himself in the spiration of love between the Father and Son, which is the Holy Spirit. In other words, you could sum up that God's life is God knows himself and God loves himself. 
I suppose if we were to turn that toward ourselves, it could be tempting to think that being made in the image and likeness of God would mean, okay, I can know myself and I can love myself. Well, for we human beings, that would actually be being rather egotistical if we thought the world revolved around knowing myself and loving myself. But rather, being made in God's image and likeness means we can know him and we can love him. And therefore, the most important thing we can do in our day-to-day -day life is to make acts of knowing God and seeking to know him more and more and of making acts to love God. Because when we do that, that is when we are actually living in his image and likeness. The temptation for man when we lose our place or are not mindful of our relationship to our creator is really to center the world around ourselves. To take that image and likeness of God and to say, let's make God in my image and likeness and I am going to be the one to decide what is right and wrong. The world is going to revolve around me and I am going to know myself, I'm going to love myself, and it doesn't matter what anybody else says about me because I know who I am. That precisely would be taking the position of the worker out in the field who comes back in and then demands to the owner and the master, give me some food, I'm ready to eat. It's losing our place, it's forgetting where it is that we came from. Today's gospel reminds us that Sometimes we human beings, we don't like to be referred to as being servants. We sometimes want to think we should be something more. The irony in life, I think, oftentimes is the minute we try to lay claim from God something which is not ours, we always wind up degrading ourselves as opposed to raising ourselves that our true dignity is always going to be found in relationship to God. It's going to be found in knowing him and loving him and not in trying to usurp him in order to lay hold of a greater power in our life to say, I am the center of the world. I can decide what's right and wrong. I can make of myself whatever I want. We're called as creatures to live in relationship with God, to be willing to listen, to be willing to obey, and to truly see that everything we have received in our life is a gift from our Heavenly Father and as having freely received these gifts, including the very gift of our own life, that we come ready to serve, ready to listen, ready to obey, and ready to give our life back to God, knowing that He is the beginning and the end of our life. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us ask God for the grace that we would always be mindful of our place as people who have been made in his image and likeness to know that the most important thing we can do is to love God and to know God. And let us ask that we would always be stewards of the many gifts he has bestowed upon us and would be grateful servants and workers in the vineyard. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as we now make our prayer for our community and for the world, let us all pray to Christ the Lord, not only for ourselves and our own needs, but for the entire people. For all who do not yet believe, let us implore the giver of all spiritual gifts. We pray to the Lord. For those who hold public office, let us call upon the power of the Lord. We pray to the Lord. 
for the repose of all the souls of the faithful departed, let us call upon the judge of all humanity. We pray to the Lord. For ourselves and those close to us who await the Lord's goodness, let us call upon the mercy of Christ the Lord. We pray to the Lord. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Incline your merciful ear to our prayers, we ask, O Lord, and listen in kindness to the supplications of those who call on you through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Look with favor, we pray, O Lord, upon the sacrificial gifts offered here, that celebrating in mystery the passion of your Son, we may honor it with loving devotion through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For by his birth he brought renewal to humanity's fallen state, and by his suffering canceled out our sins. By his rising from the dead he has opened the way to eternal life, and by ascending to you, O Father, he has unlocked the gates of holiness. And so with the company of angels and saints, we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt celi et terra, gloria tua, 
O sana hinek chelsis, benedictus, qui venit in domine domini, O sana hinek chelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray by sending down your spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus indicere, pater noster, Qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicud in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, Sicut et nos dimitimus, 
debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness fail me never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever.
My ransom soul He leadeth And where the verdant pastures grow With food celestial feedeth Perverse and foolish oft I strayed but yet in love he sought me, and on his shoulder gently lay, <coughs> and home rejoicing brought me. And so through all the length of days Thy goodness faileth never Good Shepherd, may I sing your praise Within thy house forever. Let us pray. Nourished by this sacred gift, O Lord, we give you thanks and beseech your mercy that by the pouring forth of your spirit the grace of integrity may endure in those your heavenly power has entered through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. Mary the dawn, Christ the perfect day. Mary the gate, Christ the heavenly way. Mary the root, Christ the mystic vine, Mary the grape, Christ the sacred wine, Mary the wheat sheaf, Christ the living bread, Mary the rose tree, Christ the rose blood red, Mary the font, Christ the cleansing flood, Mary the chalice, Christ the saving blood, Mary the mother, Christ the mother. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.